Hey, this is Heather from the media team at Word Alive. You're listening to our Sermon of the Week. This week, we're talking about the seven events we have a year, three feasts, and four equipping seminars. I hope you enjoyed this message. We started a journey several weeks ago on uh, the big picture. And basically, we were, we were trying our best in the last seven weeks to explain to you what we see, what we understand as the big picture here at Word Alive. So many details in church, but we just want to kind of paint a big picture that this is what we see church as, how it works, how it functions, uh, and kind of the vision and purpose behind it so that we could all be on the same page as we even enter into this new season, we believe. And I believe today's an important day, actually, as we culminate this, the seventh week of the big picture. And uh, so we, we're, we're, we're pleased with it. We're pleased with the messages that we communicate. We're pleased with uh, the progress. Many of you have taken a next step to say, yes, count me in, and signed up for Freedom Track or signed up to be a part of uh, the leadership classes or serving and volunteering we've we've increased a large percentage of people who've said put me in you know i'm ready uh where, where do you want me to serve we we had ladies today that got up early and baked 300 homemade cookies uh for first time guests so you you're in a you're, you're in for a treat today if you're here for the first time you go to connection central a lady got up and baked you a batch of handmade cookies this morning uh and uh just to say hey we want you to feel loved and welcomed and blessed as you came here this morning and so people are just finding their way in the mix you know hopefully you saw somebody with a big smile when you came in the parking lot or you've probably been hugged more than you wanted uh, on the way in today and so we're just really pleased at the place we're at but we believe today's a significant day in the process as well so if you've missed on any of the messages they're all online you can go and watch them and Hopefully, I'll be on the same page of the big picture as we move. And so today's week seven. So we'll bring out our weeks, uh, our seventh board here. I want to say a big thank you to all those that's helped with the creative process. Thank you guys very much. And uh, final week seven. And final week, I got to get on this ladder. Thank you, Jesus. This is the, the seventh and final week. It's a, thank you, Aaron. It's a pretty simple week. We're simply talking about seven events here at Word Alive on an annual basis. We have three feasts, and we have four Somebody help me. E Q U I I N G. I'm getting better and better at spelling. Three feasts and four equipping, which is seven events. You say, why is that important? Well, we want to make sure that everybody knows exactly what's going on here at Word Alive. And we also don't want to fill your calendar full of stuff that's not important because you're all busy people and you got things to do and you're living life. But we got seven events that we think are very important. And first of all, that's three feasts. There's three feasts in the Bible that uh, we teach in our foundations, and hopefully you'll get, get, it, get, get that information. won't go over all the details today. But we believe these aren't Jewish feasts and these aren't Hebraic feasts. They're actually biblical feasts. They're actually Jesus feasts. 
And these are three times a year where we, you know, we're not legalistic here at Word Alive, like you got to come to church all the time. But we say there's three times a year, it's really important to be here around those times. And that's these appointed times of the Lord, three feasts, Passover, that'll be coming in, in the spring. Some of you know that is Easter. Then we move into Pentecost, then Tabernacles. These are feasts of the Lord where the Lord said, if you'll gather around me these times a year and worship me and be in my presence, I will do supernatural things. Actually, it's a divine appointment that God makes. And so we want to make sure, how many of you, if God's called and said, hey, I need an appointment with you, you'd want to put it on your calendar, right? So that's what that's about. And so on that outline we gave you today when you came in, which represents this whole teaching, then we've got the dates of these important feasts on there. So you can go ahead and put those on your calendar and just put God appointment and expect those times a year, God wants to do something and speak to you and lead you in a whole supernatural way. So touch your neighbor, say, good news, God got some appointments for you this year. Tell them. But we also know that the equipping, we have four equipping Saturdays, and those are listed on there as well. We just did a marriage one. We're about to do one on finances, and then we'll probably wind up with another one on healing and another one on deliverance because we believe we should always just be moving deeper in those anointings in our lives so we can continue to feel God, fulfill God's purposes and plans. And we do those on four Saturdays each year. And so make sure we'll get those on your calendar so that you're very aware of what's coming up in the future and you can prepare to be here so we can keep moving forward. So that's a pretty simple teaching. So let's jump and let's bring a review can we? And we'll add all this up together for you. So week six, this was last week, and they'll start bringing the boards. Week six, we talked about six touches from the street to the seat. And uh, it, I was inspired by it myself, and I was preaching it. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, it was just amazing to me. It was, I'll tell you, it was so powerful. I got an email this week from a man in England that was watching for the very first time. Somebody told him about our church, and he watched this message, six touches from the street to the seat. 86-year-old Catholic sent me an email. He said, I've never heard you preach before, but my son told me about you and I watched you for the very first time. He said, I don't know who you are. He said, but I'm an 86-year-old Catholic, and when you talked about getting touched by the Lord and the Lord putting his arms around your congregation, he said, I felt God in my house in England put his arms around me and hug me here in England. He said, if I, he said, I'm Catholic, but if I was in the United States before I went to Mass each week, I'd come to your church and hear you preach. And so I thought that was really cool, this man in England getting, getting touches. So, but this was powerful, wasn't it? This is what we talked about, an atmosphere, a smile, a hug, a touch. How important is that that that's part of our culture? And then, of course, the five-fold ministry. And this is a where we saw that the, the, the hand of God, the five-fold ministry, that this church is not built on a pastor. It's not built on me or Bev. It's, it's built on a team of ministers and a team of ministries. And it's not uh, like an organizational chart, pyramid chart, but it's like a tree, the leadership being a five-fold hand, which we believe this represents the branches. Jesus himself is, is the, what we're connected to, right? He's the, he's the structure. But then we have the teacher, evangelist, prophet, pastor, and apostle. And these five-fold ministries are for the the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, which is you. And so touch two or three people say, number one, you're a saint. Number two, you're equipped to be men to minister. Tell them you're a saint and you're equipped to minister. We talked about the four core areas, worship, equipping, houses of light, project 58, missions, and we realized when we juggled all the balls, we can't do everything, so we got to be focused, and these are our priorities. And so we talked about that and covered it. It's a very powerful day. Then, of course, we talked about our three-pronged vision, 5,000 worshipers, 1,000 houses of light, million dollars a year given to missions, and that was a very, very powerful day. And then, of course, we had two leadership roles. We talked about there's a place for everybody. Maybe you're not a preacher like me or a worship leader, but there's something, you, there's something you're called to do. I, I'm terrible. Bev is the one that has the toolbox in our house. 
right? So if something needs fixed that way, Bev does that at our, at our house. But if you need somebody to talk to, that's me. I'm going to do the talking at our house. You know what I'm talking about? And so, but, but we're all gifted differently. But we realize there's elders and deacons, word and ideas people, but hands and application people. We also realize as we mature and get off milk and get on the meat, everybody starts sharing the load and great results happen in church. And then, of course, the first week was a 10-1 serve one, which was the basic concept about church that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but not only are we to worship God with hands uplifted, we're to, we're to worship by stretching our arms out to each other through service. Amen? And when you see the big picture now, what do we have? This is our aircraft carrier. You see? Can you see that at the bottom? This is our ship. You say, well, what makes that important? What does that mean, a ship, an aircraft carrier? I had a prophetic encounter years ago, and in this encounter, I was on a ship. And I knew this was from the Lord. Because, by the way, we are a church that still believes in dreams and visions and that God speaks to people. Amen. We still, we, we, by the way, we believe God does still speak supernaturally to his people. And I was on the ship and I had on a khaki uniform and uh, I was part of the, 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 the service of the ship. And all of a sudden a an officer came and got me and said, you're being commissioned this ship as the commander and gave me a blue uniform. And so I put the blue uniform on and getting ready, didn't have a clue of what I was doing or how to do it, just obeying. And, but I looked down and I had on khaki socks. And so in this dream, I am just tearing drawers apart, trying to find blue socks to go with this blue uniform, knowing I got to go on the deck to be commissioned to ship. And I never found them, so I just pulled my pants <laughs> as low as I could, you know, to cover these socks. I got up on the uh, deck of the ship. And uh, I, I, was, I, I told this officer, I said, I don't have a clue of what I'm doing. And he said, no, no worries, you just follow me and I'll, I'll lead you through it. And so we basically lined up and he took me through the ceremony. And it was as real as yours, was looking at you this morning, being commissioned a ship. And uh, I woke up from the dream. And I was like, Lord, what is this about? And the Lord said, well, it is true. You're being commissioned a ship. I said, what kind of ship? He said, an apostle ship. I said, what about the khaki socks? He said, well, you're not, you're not yet ready. And so these khaki speaks of immaturity and, and flesh and, and walking. But over time, you will come to a place of maturity and, you're, and you will walk in what you're actually being mantled to do. And that was, that I knew that was for me and that was for you. That was us as the, as the church. Then prophets started coming on the scene. Renowned prophets in the body of Christ calling us an apostolic center, an apostolic hub. Bev and I called to function in an apostolic role, which obviously we know by now is not a title, it's a function. <coughs> Excuse me. And so today, I believe is a significant day where we find ourselves at this place that I believe today is actually a commissioning day for us here at Word Alive. And something significant will shift or change after this seventh and final message, and we will change socks, if you will. And we will literally start walking as the body of Christ here in a new dimension. So touch two or three other people and tell them it's a brand new day. Tell them it's a brand new day. 
Now, what I got excited about, I started studying the scripture about apostolic church, apostolic centers, and then I started studying about aircraft carriers. Bev and I actually went to uh, South Carolina, Charleston, South Carolina, and got on one and walked on it and prayed and, and looked at it. Those things are huge, by the way. Uh, and what, what was I was very intrigued about is God, years before, had told me that Word Alive would be a house of 5,000. I stepped onto an aircraft carrier and I asked him, how many men and women does it take to make this thing work? They said 5,000. Isn't that cool? And I began to see, to see the significance of what this meant to us in ministry because God had always told us we would be a launching pad, that we would, we would equip people, empower people. But Bev, God told Bev and I early on, don't expect people to come to Word Alive and stay because everybody won't be called to stay. They will be there for a season. Some will be called forever because they're to make the ship run. But there will be many that will come that will land, be equipped, trained, restored, and then shoo, back off into the mission of what God's, God, God, God sent them to do. And so we realize that this is, this is what the concept was. And so I hope that I can share with you just a few minutes today. I don't have time to cover in detail what apostolic ministry means. It's a fast subject. We'll do that with you in leadership when you get into that part of the uh, the. The process with us in our leadership process but today I want to just paint with a big brush if I can just for a moment the apostolic church in the Bible when I say apostolic church I mean the church that was founded by the Holy Spirit the church in the book of Acts when you read about the the, the early church and you see how that church functioned to me that's the apostolic church and just to give you a quick rundown of church history it went from that this glorious church we'll look at and it lasted till about 300 A.D. after Jesus had been risen from the dead. And then the church went into what was called the Dark Ages. And that's when the church became a different model than what it was originally created to be. This is when it became more of a governmental type church. This is when it began to function differently. That's when they began to no longer were, you know, the original uh, church was mostly house churches. And in 300 A.D., Constantine uh, uh, made a law, you can no longer have church in your house. And then he set up the clergy and the laity, which is not in the Bible. And then you begin to see the Word of God then was not everybody. Everybody wasn't understanding the Word of God. The Word of God was only for the priest. And, and you begin to see these. And this is when we got away from the feasts. This is when they, they mixed Passover and Easter and, it, and after the goddess Eshtar. And, 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 and the real Passover. And, they, and that's where all these things started getting a mixture. And then, and then what happened, it went to the Dark Ages. What's interesting is in about, I think it was about 1500, right, Dan, uh, along, along those lines, where the big Reformation, right, Martin Luther, who came and nailed the 99 Theses to the wall. By the way, October's the 500-year anniversary of that. Now, this is very interesting that we're in this timing because historically God has done some very sick. If you take every 500-year increment, you can take it all the way back to creation and see amazing. Every 500 years, something explosive. This fires me up to know we're this time. And so since 1500, the Great Reformation, the God, the God has been restoring the church. And, you know, now we think about how much church has changed. Some of us have been around a while. The last 20 or 30 years, how drastically church has changed. A few years ago, I'd never even heard of an apostle or a prophet. I never even knew there was such a thing. I, I, I was just raised with a pastor. A pastor was the, the only thing I knew about, right? How many, I used to, you know, I was raised in a church that believed in speaking in tongues, but there was a lot of, there's a lot of people in our church you were actually taught that wasn't from God. Come on, right? You know what I'm talking about? Church has been in a 
restorative mode. And now I believe the final concept or thought is the apostolic church that God is restoring. Why? Because I believe it's the final restoration before the Lord comes back. Okay. So let's take a peek at it. I'm going to show you a picture of it first. What does it look like? Acts 2, 38, 46. I'm going to share a good, good bit of scripture with you. Then Peter said to them, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off and as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted him, saying, be saved. Somebody say, be saved. Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, 3,000 souls were added. Number one, it was a place of conversion. It's a place where it was true conversion, where people were having an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ himself through conversion, through conversion and through baptism. We're expressing that, that something has happened on the inside of me. Something's died, something has died and something has come alive and I'm, brand, I'm a brand new creature in Christ. And this, this, this is what was the power of the early church. It was a place of true conversion. And isn't it interesting, he didn't say be saved from hell. Or be saved from sin even, which we understand is part of it. He said, be saved from this wicked generation. In other words, he's saying, there's a world out here that's getting darker and darker and darker. And you need to be saved because there's a whole other kingdom that's available to you that you can enter into. That you don't live this way, but you live this way. A true conversion. Secondly, quickly, they continued. Somebody say continued continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers and fear of the Lord came on every soul and many wonders and signs were done, signs were done through the apostles. It was a place of commitment. It says they continued. These early believers weren't wishy-washy believers. Why? They'd had a conversion. You say, why are there so many people in the church that's not committed because they've not been converted? See, you, you can't just commit out of willpower. Once you have a true conversion and you meet the Lord Jesus Christ in a real encounter, you become a committed follower of him. Why? Because you see how glorious he is and you just don't want to be a part of anything else once you meet Jesus. It says they continued. You never, took, you never hear about people in the early church backsliding. What no thing of backsliding. Why? Because once they met Jesus, it was a new way of living. Unfortunately, we preach a message in the church too much about the cross, going to heaven or escaping hell. But actually, the cross is a lifestyle. That's why Jesus said, if you want to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. The apostolic church were converted and they were committed because they lived differently than the world did. Quickly, and all believed were together. Somebody say together. And they had all things in common and sold the possessions of goods and divided them among all as anyone had, had a need. It was a place of community where it says actually nobody lacked. It was a church where nobody poor came to church because everybody in the church was, who was rich made sure there was no poor. It's what our government wants to turn into socialism. Which we know doesn't work. What it's true, we don't need socialism. We need spirit-filled Holy Ghost churches. Come on, somebody. Come on now. Where people have had such a converted experience, they've become, become so committed that even their stuff belongs to God. 
And they make sure that there's, can you, can you dream with me just being a part of a church like that? Just nobody in that church lacks because we make sure of it. You say, well, that you, well, you come to my house for Rosh Kadesh and I got a split in my couch. You're like, hey, man, I got two couches. Next, next month I'll bring you, my, bring you one of mine. My, you come to my house, my car broke, not running. You're like, I got two cars. Next we got. Right, I mean, on, pay it forward. I, on and on, a place of true community. But our Western culture has taken us so far away from that and caused salvation to become an individual experience. And by the way, I'm not trying to get all doctrine with you this morning, but salvation was never intended to be a personal salvation. <laughs> I got three, three, three hand claps. Not that we're not personally saved, but it's, it's, it was never designed as a person. He didn't say, pray my father. He said, pray our father. Jesus said, how can you love a God you can't see and you don't love a brother in need who you do see? That's what Jesus said. So you can't truly be saved and not care about everybody else in this room. Or you're not truly saved. Dad gone, that's good. That's not Advil there. That's Holy Ghost stuff right there. Go on. Continuing daily in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. That sounds like houses of light, doesn't it? Praising God and having favor with all the people. Watch this. And the Lord added to the church daily those that were being saved. It was a place of commission. It was believers who believed and realized the great commission is not for the clergy the Great Commission is for all of us to so show the light of God and the love of God to our sphere of influence that not Sundays, but daily, people were being added to the church by the grace of God. This is a picture of the early apostolic church. The purpose of that church we find in Ephesians 4, and it's a, it's a, uh, I'm giving you a wealth of scripture, but this, it's worth, worth looking at. And by the way, I thought about this morning, you know, I'd love for you guys, I know uh, some of you carry a Bible, I like carrying a Bible, but I'd like for you to start bringing some scripture with you because what I, when I grew up in church, in, in a Holy Ghost church, I learned the Bible by reading along with the preacher when he was talking. And so I know we have digital stuff now, so bring your, feel free, bring your iPhones, your iPads with a phone or a real Bible, and as we're communicating the word here on Sundays, Man, be highlighting and getting that stuff because I'm telling you, there's something about hearing it and, and looking at it. And, and it, I learned the scriptures that way. And so that's just, that was for free. Uh, <laughs> Ephesians 4 is powerful. It says, and, gifts, and he, his gifts to the church were varied. He appointed some as apostles. Special messengers represented some as prophets who speak a new message from God to the people, some as evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, and some as pastors and teachers to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this to fully equip and perfect the saints, which are God's people for works of service to build up the body of Christ in the church until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become a mature believer, reaching to the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising <coughs> excuse me, our spiritual gifts in unity. You seeing that with me? You tracking with me? He, said, he, he was not saying, you know, God sent a pastor to lead the church and preach the word and everybody to think it was good or bad. 
He didn't say, I sent a pastor or a leader to do a church and everybody to listen. He said, I sent five-fold ministries. I sent the five-fold ministry so that they could come to equip believers for the work of ministry so that everybody could mature in their spiritual completeness and everybody could exercise their spiritual gifts in unity. I had the analogy come to me this morning, uh, and maybe this will help you. It helped me. Most of, our, most of the churches I've been associated with uh, are, are, are like this. It would be like if we were watching Alabama football, as most a lot of people love around here, and all of a sudden Coach Saban and his uh, assistants get out there, his coaching staff, if you will, and they paint a big picture, you know, for all the players and then all the players go on the sidelines and watch the coach and assistants play the game. <laughs> That's the way a lot most churches is. You know, the pastor gets up and preaches the word on Sunday and, you know, da-da-da. And then we all applaud him and say, go get them, team. <coughs> Excuse me. And then we go on back to do our jobs or whatever we do, not thinking we're part of the commissioning. And basically the church staffs play the game and we applaud them and think they're doing a good job, and, and we, which is awesome because a lot of them are doing a good job. But that's never the way the Bible called us to be as an apostolic church. We all know the way it's supposed to work. Coach Saban, I'm sure, played football at some point in his life and loved it, and I'm sure all of his team did. But his team, they're not trying to get better so they can play. I mean, how awkward would it be for Saban to take a snap? We'd think, good God, man, get on the sidelines. You know what I mean? Right? You, ain't, you can't play this game. You ain't got no, you know, what? He's equipping these people with the gifts and the, uh, with what they need to play the game and play it very successfully and win championships. And that's what the church is supposed to look like. We're not supposed to be celebrating how great the, the, the preacher is. We're supposed to be celebrating how great the team is that God has raised up and what powerful ministry is, uh, is taking place in the midst of us because we. We've been equipped by the coaches, if you will, in the body of Christ. And it says that so that we are no longer children, spiritual immature, tossed like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of doctrine. In other words, we know the truth. And we speak the truth in love, both in speech and in our lives, expressing his truth. And we grow up into all things following him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body is joined together and firmly put together. Every part doing its part, part properly causes the body to grow, building itself up in love. And we see now the body starts building the body. Lord spoke to me recently. He said, Kent, shepherd don't beget sheep. We think shepherds or evangelists you know, are supposed to beget sheep. Shepherd don't beget sheep. Sheep beget sheep. Right? And so it's perverted for shepherd to beget sheep. Sheep beget sheep. And so we understand the body should grow itself. Church shouldn't be grown with a music ministry and a good preacher. It should be grown by the people in the body of Christ who are doing the work of ministry. You thinking with me? We tracking? And what's the purpose? That we all know Jesus. That we all grow up. What's all, what's this all? This, this, please understand, this big picture ain't about building Word Alive. This big picture ain't about building a great church. This big picture is so that we can be a place where everybody knows the Lord. I mean, I mean don't get confused. We're, we're, we didn't go back and touch Jewish roots to become Jewish. We went back and touched Jewish, Jewish roots because we realized Jesus was a Jew and we want to know Jesus better. <laughs> you know, our whole goal here, we, our, my whole goal, we want to know the Lord more and more and more and more intimately 
until we see him face to face. I don't want to die in my deathbed and him show up and me not know who he is. Like, but you know, the Bible says on that day, men will say, Lord, we did church. We cast out devils. He's like, I didn't know you. I would dare ask the question, you know, do you know the Lord? Have you been a part of a church that actually introduced you to Jesus? In a way that you really know him. That you hear his voice. You feel his touch on your heart. You hunger for his word. You love to get in his presence and worship him. That's what this is all about. That's what this, this whole purpose of the apostolic church, they were all, why, why was it so powerful? Everybody just wanted to know Jesus because they got converted. Yeah. And they got to be a part of this community where the whole community was after Jesus. And when you got together and ate with these guys, you may talk about some odds and ends to get started, but sooner or later, Jesus was the center. Why? He was dead and they saw him get up. And they were testifying, he's not dead, he's alive. And then when they were start talking about him, he'd walk in their meetings. And people would say, oh my God, that's Jesus. And they would meet him. That was the purpose. And then, you know what that produced? It produced power. Because when these folks prayed, you better look out. In Acts 4, it says they prayed one day together. And it says when they did, the place where they were meeting together shook under God's presence. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak the word of God with courage and boldness. When the apostolic church was the apostolic church, when they prayed, things happened. When they prayed, things changed. And they prayed apostolic prayers. Go back and read that prayer. It wasn't some, some lay me down to sleep. You know, it was, Lord, see their threats. Lord, they said we can't preach in your name. See their threats against us. Stretch forth your hand, Jesus, and do mighty works in the name of Jesus. Like we should be praying in our community. Lord, stretch forth your hand against the drug addiction in our community, and let's see it move far away from us. Stretch forth your hand against the poverty and injustice in our community and see it driven far away from us. Stretch forth your hand against that. We should be praying these apostolic prayers. In other words, apostolic people and praying people, they're not, we're, just not, we're, we're not praying about ourselves. We're praying about God's purposes and God's plans and what God wants to do in the earth. But most of us, our churches, we never get past ourselves because we have no power. So we don't get our own needs met. So how in the world can we storm the gates of hell when hell's storming our gates? When they, when they praised, it was powerful. I guarantee you didn't sit in an apostolic church in the Bible when they got to singing, going. Because it says when Paul and Silas got put in jail, they started singing a hymn. So they started singing a hymn and said when they started praising God, the whole place shook. Every door was open and every chain was bro broken off. See, that's why, that's why we don't have a music ministry here, this choir and this wonderful music team to try to entertain us on Sunday morning. They're here to release an anointing so that people walk in here and chains fall off and doors get open and bondages, burdens get removed and yokes get destroyed because of the anointing.
That's an apostolic church. Apostolic church isn't here to show you how good we can sing. We're here to, for the power and the presence of God. When they preached, it was powerful. When they preached, it was powerful. It says in Acts 10 that when Peter was preaching his first message to the Gentiles, it was so powerful. It says, while he yet spoke, the Holy Ghost fell on everybody listening who had never heard of the Holy Ghost, and they all spoke in tongues and prophesied. <laughs> Power. This was the apostolic church. It was a powerful, kingdom-minded, kingdom-related church. Seeing the reign and rule of the Lord Jesus Christ manifested in their lives. Enjoying the favor and the blessing of the Lord. And adding daily those into the community that were being saved from a wicked and perverse generation. I believe for us, that apostolic concept, as I'm talking to you about today, is a ship. An aircraft carrier. I believe this is what God called us to be. And I, I thought this was interesting because I looked up this week about the commissioning, about where we are today, the commissioning of an of a, of, of, of a aircraft carrier. And I was amazed that once a commander is given a ship, it might be several years before it's actually commissioned. Why? It has to be sea trialed. Sea tested. And they send the commander and the people on the ship to test the ship, the commander, and the people before it's commissioned. And why do they do that? It says prior to commissioning, the new ship undergoes sea trials to identify any deficiencies needing correction. The preparation and readiness time between the launching and the commissioning could be years so that it can be sea trialed. Here's the good news. We've been through some stormy seas lately. Amen. We should have told you when you signed up a few years ago to be a part of this church, we were in sea trials. We just forgot to tell you. That's why some of you got involved in here and every devil that wasn't busy came after you. You know what I'm talking about? We should have told you we were actually on a ship and we were out to sea. I mean, can say you've been tested over the last several years in places. You know, I got good news. That wasn't to destroy you. That was just to prepare you for what we're about to enter in this season as a commissioning from the Lord Jesus Christ to see his glory fulfilled. I believe that's where we're at today. And I was, got the hold of this article yesterday, and I thought it was worth just giving you an excerpt of it as we get to the place we want to get today. In this article, it says, many people are bored in church. They're afflicted with a nagging sense that they ought to be doing something, that there's some meaningful mission that they're supposed to be a part of, but they can't quite get their mind around this. So in the meantime, they sit in church, try to pay attention, pay their tithes, and try to behave the best they can. And they wonder if when they get to heaven, they're going to be rebuked for failing to do whatever God wanted them to do. Perhaps these people go to churches where they hear that Jesus is building a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But they don't see themselves or the church prevailing against the gates of hell. They seem to just be getting by. Many can't remember when a single adult convert, one truly brought out of darkness into light, came to Jesus in the church. And they certainly can't remember one whose story they were personally part of. Study after study shows that most Christians have never even shared their faith. 
most indicating that somewhere 90% of evangelicals have never shared their faith with anyone outside their family. Kind of makes you wonder how they get away with using the name evangelical. Most churches have a difficult time maintaining their ground, much less storming anything that belongs to Satan. Gates, after all, are defensive ramparts, not offensive weapons. Prevailing against the gates of hell does not mean keep Satan out of our backyard, but it means plundering his kingdom where he's holding people captive and seeing them delivered out of darkness and brought into light. An apostolic church doesn't sit around praying to get Satan off of them. They're actually invading the gates of hell and going against where Satan is and taking his territory. According to a recent survey, 55,000 churches in the U.S. will close their doors this year. 55,000. And the number of those who attend a church on the weekend in the United States will drop from 17 to 14%. Only 20% of churches in the U.S. are growing, and only 1% are growing by actually reaching lost people. 1%. 95% of church growth we celebrate merely shuffles existing Christians around. Now, don't you think these two problems, believers who don't know how effectively to disciple others and a gradually shrinking church in the Western culture have to be related in some way. Yet very few pastors and church leaders are raising up disciple-making leaders as a primary objective. We measure church and success by size. How big's our church? How many people are coming? In so doing, however, we neglect the one thing that can propel the church forward in the next generation and to the ends of the earth, which is spirit-filled disciple-making disciples. I believe we need a fundamental shift, the writer says, in how we think about the mission of the church. And he, this fired me up. He said, let me illustrate it by three types of ships. Some Christians see church as a cruise liner offering Christian luxuries for the whole family, sports, entertainment, child care services, and business networking. They show up at church asking only, can this church improve my religious quality of life? Does it have good family ministry facilities? Does the pastor preach funny, time-conscious messages that meet my felt needs? Do I like the music? If their church ever ceases to cater to their preferences, well, there's plenty of other cruise ships in the harbor. In fact, often they get involved with three or four of them at one time. After all, the music is great on Cruise Liner A. And the kids, oh, they really enjoy the youth program over at Cruise Liner B. And we do most of our fellowship and Bible study with friends at Cruise Liner C. And we occasionally podcast the angry young pastor down the road who tells funny stories. I see, I hear the thoughts like, man, that sounds like my life group. (laughs) Other Christians, their church is more like a battleship. The church is made for mission and its success should be seen in how loudly and dramatically it fights the mission. And this is certainly better than the cruise liner. However, it implies that it's the church institution that does most of the fighting. The role of the church members is to pay the pastor to find the targets and fire the guns each week as they gather to watch. 
They see the programs, services, and ministries of the church as the primary instruments of mission. <coughs> they say things like, our church is doing this, or our church does that. The writer says, I'd like to suggest a third metaphor for the church, an aircraft carrier. Like battleships, aircraft carriers engage in battle, but not in the same way. Aircraft carriers equip planes to carry the battle elsewhere. If you've watched old movies, you'll see an aircraft carrier, their goal is to not actually engage in the battle. Their goal is to stay as far away from the battle as possible to be there as a resource center for these planes that are flying out of battle to land, get equipped, get empowered, and then send them back off on their mission into the Bible, into the, into the battle. That's what an aircraft carrier is there. Not that the aircraft, as, as we know, the aircraft carrier is not doing any fighting unless necessary. What The way they're fighting, they're equipping those and sending them on mission to fight the battle that they're called to fight. See, I believe that's a church. We're called to equip you every week and send you back out to the battles you're supposed to fight for Christ. And as you fight those battles with the good word of God and the power of the Holy Ghost and the word of faith, you are victorious in your life and others are hearing the gospel and others are being impacted and others are being empowered. And then you fly back in and you fed yourself so powerful. You get to the place, you're so empowered, you, you, just, you don't need filled up, you just need topped off when you get here on Sunday. You know what I'm talking about? You just need a little top off and head right back out to the mission to see, come on somebody, to see God working in your life, seeing victory in your life and in those around you. When somebody comes to you to pray, you don't say call the pastor. You lay hands on them right there and pray the prayer of faith. Somebody needs Jesus. You don't bring them to church. You, you give them Jesus. I like that. Churches that want to prevail against the gates of hell must learn to see themselves like aircraft carriers, not like battleships and certainly not like cruise liners. Members need to learn to share the gospel without the help of the pastor. In the community, start ministries, Bible studies, even churches and places without them. People ask me all the time, they say, Ken, aren't you afraid that if you get people in their houses that they're going to turn into churches? I'm praying to God. Come on now, I'm praying to God. I'd love to see a church in every community that has the power of the Holy Ghost and the good word of God being preached and people being equipped with the gospel. Yes. But to do this, we're going to get a, get, need to get a new metric for success. We need to start celebrating not how many people are coming in, but actually how many people are going out. How many people are going out fulfilling the purposes and the plans of God? That's what this aircraft carrier is all about. A process here at Word Alive, yes, to equip you, empower you, and send you to fight the battle that God's calling you to. And what's exciting is we have some to celebrate. We have people that are actually landing weekly and being sent out to do the purposes of God. We got businessmen in our churches that have actually determined, yes, they're called to make money and lots of it in the name of Jesus. 
But they're realizing not so they can buy bigger houses, not so they can buy fancier cars. But I've had them come to me and say, Kent, we're going to come along the side in this, time, in this season as businessmen, and we're going to undergird this church, and we're going to stand with this church financially, not just with our giving, but with our understanding and our wisdom and our understanding of how to manage finances. And we're going to ensure that this aircraft carrier always has plenty of resources to make sure planes are fueled up and sent around the world. And they're called to business, but they got a purpose. Come on, somebody. We got a husband and wife in our church who went to California and were a part of a marriage conference and got so fired up about it, they paid for the couple that taught them to come here and teach us last week. And they got fired up again last week and said, next year we're going to do it again, but next year we're going to invite the whole community and we're going to do it as an outreach so we can see people not only get their marriage healed, but see people come to Jesus as they come to this marriage seminar next year. We got mamas that are raising their children in our church and they're stay-at-home moms, but they're not purposeless. And they're not, they, and they definitely aren't less than, they are more than because they say our job is so important because we believe we're called to raise up champions and we're not babysitting our children and just caring for them naturally, but we're sowing it in the word of God. We're teaching them how to pray. We're empowering them with the power of the Holy Spirit and we're raising up champions for Jesus in our houses. We got teenagers who are coming saying the first year after high school, they're not headed to spring break for a party. Not, nothing wrong with a party, but they're, they're not headed for a summertime party. They're saying, sign us up for missions. We want to give our first year out of high school before we go to college or anything to be, a, be, to be a missionary. And so we believe in honoring God first. Our whole life will be blessed by going. And you know what's happening? They're going to the mission field and we got to beg them to come back. It's happening. We got teams that are going around the world, world digging water wells and providing water filters and supplying food to people. 55,000 people in Uganda today are enjoying clean water because somebody left Word Alive and went over there and did the work last year and then came back, raised the money, and paid for it. Come on, somebody. We got people that are calling saying, sign me up for a house of light. I'll open my house up. I'll, invite, I'll, I'll start inviting my family and friends, and they're, and, they're, and they're doing it like Jesus. You ever read that place in Jesus where Jesus showed up at a dinner party? It got awkward. He showed up at a dinner party with a who's who of Jerusalem were there. And, they, and, and Jesus wasn't one of the who's who. He was kind of the outcast, but he had walked on water. So, you know, you can pretty much get by the bouncer if you can walk on water. You know what I'm talking about? He got in the room, and they asked him to make a few remarks. And he said something like this. He said, why are you rich people just inviting other rich people to hang out with you? Why are you just hanging out with people just like yourselves? When you throw a feast, don't invite somebody that can come back and invite you back later for another feast. Invite somebody that never gets a chance to go to a feast. Invite somebody that doesn't have anything. Invite the poor, the lame, the blind, the naked. Invite them. And, and you will be, he said, you will be repaid in the resurrection. God, talking about awkward. Because this just wasn't a social engagement. This was a business engagement as well in Jerusalem. While they used to have a party where all your rich friends you'd invite so that you knew they'd invite you to their house when their rich friends were there and you could build your network. Jesus came and, man, he just made it very awkward. It could have been an economic meltdown for him. He said, don't invite people that can invite. Jesus said, I know what you're doing. You're trying to network. 
You're trying to build your own wealth and your own city. He said, but that's not what it's about in the kingdom. He said, don't invite people that can do something for you. Invite people that can, they can never do anything for you. That's the people. So when I say open the houses of light, I'm not talking about social club. I'm talking about be bold enough to invite people in your community that may never get a good meal and start filling your house up with poor people who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and see what God will want to do in your life. My Bible says you'll be repaid in the day of the resurrection. Now, I don't know about you, but I think Jesus was speaking not just to who. He didn't care necessarily who you invite for your birthday party. But he's just saying there's a different way to live when we're living on mission together. Young couple out in California who had a wedding and they decided instead of inviting a normal wedding party, they invited all the poor and homeless. And instead of receiving gifts for themselves, they, house gifts, they received them for the homeless. Blankets, socks. How radical is that to your daughter? If you're giving your daughter for a marriage and, and, you, and, and, and you said, let's do it with the homeless. And then they threw it big and the only family and friends that could come were if you were willing to serve. And after the ceremony, the bride and groom served a meal to the poor and the homeless. They said, you know what happened? A blind man got healed. This isn't in the Bible. I'm talking about in California just a couple of years ago. A crippled man got healed. Why? We're always saying, Lord, send your presence. I'm going to tell you where the presence is. And when he sends you in his name, that's where the presence is. Woo! Maybe if we quit inviting his presence in this place and ask him to empower us and take his presence somewhere. I know you only came for a cup full and you're getting a fire hydrant, but I'm, I, you know, it's the last week. But I'm obviously pretty fired up about it. We got a single mom who goes to the, goes to the inner city. Hey, hey, hold on on the piano just a minute. Some of the people are getting a little sideways with me. They think I'm closing. I may just be starting again. I, don't, I, felt, I, felt a, I felt a closed, I felt a closed spirit. And I was like, I ain't closing yet. I might just be getting started. So we not, don't start closing on me. I felt like you want, people start saying, oh, about to get some chicken. And you got to think it on different with me. I'm hurrying. I'll get you there. We got a single mom here that every week, not only cares for her, because there ain't no excuses. Not only does she care for her, raise her own kids, every month she goes to the inner city, either here or Atlanta or Birmingham, and distributes food and clothes and preaches the gospel to the inner city as a single mom. You say, what does she do with her kids? She piles them in the car with her and says, we're going to live on mission as a family. Come on, somebody. If that don't fire you up, Man, if I was a single mom trying to raise kids, I'd just be moaning about everything. <laughs> How am I going to get by? How am I? No, she's got an overcoming attitude. She's a part of an apostolic church. She said, God, God is for me, not against me. He sent me to this place. I apologize. I said bitching, didn't I? But I meant it in the nicest way. I meant it in the nicest way. We got people in Gadsden going to the strip clubs. <laughs> I saw some of you guys like, no, 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 that's not your ministry. But you know what the guys do? They drive them. 
and stay in the car and their wives make cupcakes and bags and they go in and they love on the strippers and pray for them and give them gifts and supernatural things are happening in the strip clubs through this group. Women's lives are being radically affected through the gospel of Jesus Christ and recently they were there and they said, one of the girls said, where do y'all go to church? They said, it ain't about church. We don't want to talk about church. We're just here loving Jesus. They said, no, you got to be a part of a church. They said, well, yeah, we are called Word Alive. She goes, I go to Word Alive. Now, I don't know about you, but I got fired up when I realized we had strippers coming to the church. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Put that in the Aniston Star and put it in your pipe and smoke it. Yes, strippers are welcome here. Come on. Sending people. Not who's coming, who's going. Every week, people out of this church are in prisons and jails, going to the prisoners, teaching them the Word of God. One of our elders, Nan, she's taking on the responsibility of a medical clinic in our community to reach out to the poor. We got doctors in our, in our congregation who see themselves not just as medical doctors, but as instruments in God's hands for people. One of them called me this week to tell me of a man who's in the hospital who's dying of cancer. And he's, this, this is a medical doctor calling me and said, but Kent, he's really reaching out for Jesus. So I sat down today with him and I read with him the book of Philippians and I'm helping him find Jesus. This is, come on, somebody. Sharing and praying. I got millennials who are calling saying, whenever you're ready to go to any inner city close by to us, we're willing to sell our house. Take the proceeds and go to the inner city and buy two houses. One for us to live in and one for, to be a house of ministry. Just tell us when you're ready. We're ready, they're saying. You just tell us when you're ready. That's apostolic. Oh, that fires me up. I want to live like that. I want to be around people who live like that. They're so passionate for Jesus. Look, guys, at the end of, you say, why are you so passionate about all this, Kent? I got a lot of more things to say here. Why are you so passionate about that? Because look, last I checked, death toll rate's 100%. Me and you only hear it says, as a breath, and it's gone. The only thing that matters is what we do with what we have while we're here. And as an apostolic church, they're radical. And they do radical things like I'm talking to you about. We got life coaches who have given their lives over to be trained to work with addicts and become sponsors. We got retired people who are saying, I don't want to be retired, I want to be refired. I want to get fired back up. We've got retired people who have offices now in our church who work for free. Because they're retired and they're coming alongside to make sure this facility's in good shape and the systems and processes are in place. We're calling them deacons. And they're retired. They've already worked a full life, but they're saying we're not, we're, we, didn't, we retired from a job, but we didn't retire from the apostolic church and the ministry, God's called it. Yeah. 
I thought of this morning, we got an accountant who's been serving in kids alive for 17 years. He's an accountant. He comes every morning. Three years ago, four years ago, had a heart attack. Rehab, first thing he did as soon as he got through rehabbing from a heart attack, back at Kids Alive. Man, can you imagine? One of these days, he's going to stand in heaven. And the Lord's going to say, Mr. Accountant, thank you. Look, and he's going to look around. And hundreds of kids that have come through his life and ministry now have raised their families and raised their kids. What kind of reward is that man going to have in heaven for the lives that he changed as an accountant who would humble himself and grab a hold of kids to make sure they know Jesus at an early age? Come on, somebody. I'm lost as a goose now. Here we go. I said that. Said that. I said that. And I said that too. <laughs> now I'm just going to start making things up. I just don't want to quit. Mr. Piano Man. <laughs> I think we're definitely ready for chicken now, my brother. I'm going to ask uh, Dan, is Dawn here this morning, or Dan Patios to come with me, represent our elders. I don't know if Craig's here, Bev, Net, uh, Jeff and Farley, our governing elders. I want you to come up here with us this morning. Is Josh, my oldest son, Josh, in this meeting today? I don't know if he's here. He's not as my son, but as a governing elder. We have governing elders, elders. Would you stand up with me this morning? These are local elders, governing elders, go governing elders, my brother Dan, the elder here. We do have the five-fold ministry here at our church. You know, we have apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher, all here. That's this process to be equipped. Two things we want to do today. First, I want to make an ask. I'm simply asking you after today to step into this process. If you believe what I've communicated to you today, if you believe that's right and that's accurate and that bears witness with your spirit, then I need you to take a step into this process at some level. Go to Freedom Track and start your journey. Begin to volunteer. Move on into leadership. Start a house of light. Begin to pray and ask God. You know, I think one mistake people are waiting to say, God, I need you to speak to you, me what my mission is. He's already spoke. He said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. He's already spoke. It's, it's, we don't, he didn't have to, you don't have to hear an audible voice. He's already told us what to do. You're supposed to use your passion, your gift, your area of influence, wherever you're at, to make disciples for Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. To be sent with the glory of God. And so we're just going to ask today that as we're going to pray, that's the first thing, just asking you to take that step. That's what this card's about. Uh, I had somewhere. It's about taking the step into the process. You were handed one when you came in. It's very clear. There's links on there that you can make sure and get involved. Second thing, we're going to, as an apostolic team today here on this platform, we're going to join and we're going to pray. Thank you, Beverly. We're going to pray and we're going to, 
say out loud, God, we're ready to take off our khaki socks and we're ready to put on our blue socks. We're ready to, we want to, we want to lead you into this next season. You, I'm saying the same. We're changing. We're not saying, just up here prophesying or saying, hey, something great's about to happen. Something's here. Now let's walk into it. Let's begin to see the purposes and plans of God. And so we're going to pray that as a, as a team, team together. And then, last but not least, we're going to pray for Bev and I and Sinanette. We leave Thursday for India and Nepal. And there's a billion people in India. And so as a first fruits, we're being sent off this aircraft carrier to the nation of Nepal and India. And Nepal to check on Pavan, who's there with wine to water, making clean water available. And to India, where a church in Hyderabad who wants to become a Word Alive church. And with this thought, we want to take the message of God's grace and this apostolic mandate to the whole nation of India and plant churches all over the nation of India with a billion people. It's a very important trip. We're going to be preaching through our way through India at that church and making our stops to others. And we want you to pray for us. Now, I'm going to be gone three weeks. Don't let me get back and you stayed home. Come on now, I'm getting pretty, I got my blue socks on now. I'm the commander. Come on now, somebody. Don't, 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 don't let me get back and get to report. Crowds were half, crowds were off, you weren't here. People, it's going to be crazy. We got a powerful team of leaders. You get, you get Papa Dan, Mama Patio preaching. Come on, somebody, Matt. Luke Varvel's going to be here one week. Come on. Yeah, it's going to be powerful. Need actually more on deck than not over these next few weeks. Be praying for us. We're going to be praying for you. I'll be keeping you informed through Skype and different means of communication of what's happening in that part of the world. But this is what we're called to do. We're called to go to the nations of the world, and we're called to do it together. And I'm simply asking the Holy Ghost today, to reach out by the Spirit, and if you're part, you're called to be, that's why we don't have church membership, because we never wanted somebody to join this church. We wanted them to be joined by the Lord to this place. In other words, we didn't want you, you know, you don't join the Navy, uh, you know, uh, you, en you enlist. In other words, you sign up for service, right? And if that's what God's calling you to do, we want you to take that step in the process today. In Jesus' name. We, we hope you've enjoyed the big picture over the last seven weeks. Hopefully you're going to keep reviewing it in your mind. We're going to put this up somewhere permanent so we can look at it from time to time. We believe this is the season that we're going to wage war. We're going to wage war on the spirit of addiction. We can no longer sit by and just say heroin addiction is killing people and do nothing about it. We got to start praying and doing and coaching and recovering people and make a difference. That We can't keep idly sitting by while people are dying of cancer and terminal diseases when there's doctors in our congregation that have the wisdom and the anointing to help us communicate the wisdom of how to eat, how to live, yes, but also through the prayer of the Holy Ghost from healing the cold to raising the dead, we got to start walking in that kind of authority here. Come on. We, we're, we're, we're waging war on spiritual. We're, we're not just, we're, I'm saying we're waging war. In other words, we're attacking the gates of hell. We're saying there's going to be a no-fly 
uh, over this region. We're saying terrorism, darkness, demons, you're not welcome anywhere in the territory where we're governing at. We're, you, come on, somebody. We're using our praise in the heavens, and we're legislating in the heavens spiritual stuff. We're legislating our spiritual authority over your homes as people of this church say, demons, you're not welcome in the people of God's houses. We're saying the blood is on our doorpost, and when it comes, you've got to pass over us in the name of Jesus. We're, 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 going, we're going on the offensive to say we are storming the gates of hell, and the gates of hell will not prevail in Jesus' name. There's thousands of people that need to hear the gospel in our community. There's thousands that need to hear the gospel in our own community, and you need to be one to preaching it. People that you know may be the only one that will ever hear the gospel. You may be the only one that will ever be able to tell them the gospel. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. We got to become gospel-telling people, telling your story, how God changed your life and how God can change their life and begin to make true disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ because I believe the Lord is ready to come back. And we can actually hasten his return by making disciples of all nations. All right? Father, we stand today in the name of Jesus. We stand as a team. We stand with our elders and our governing elders. Lord, we stand here today in your name. I thank you for this church. I thank you, Lord, that you've allowed us, to, Bev and I, to be a part of it and to stand here. And God, we count it such an honor that you would have sent us here. Lord, we still believe in the apostolic mandate and call that you've called us with to this place. Lord, we thank you for bringing us through every test and every trial, every stormy sea as a congregation we've navigated together to bring us to this point. But God, we're willing to believe and declare the next five years are going to be the most significant time we've ever experienced here at Word Alive. Lord, I thank you that today we shift our understanding and our mindset to say we are no longer simply a local church. Yes, we love our community and we love our local body, but God, we declare to the heavens, we take the responsibility and the commissioning of an apostolic center of freedom here in the midst of this place to say we plant ourselves and receive the commissioning today of what you have called us to do as a congregation and a church from their elders and our governing elders and Bev and I and our congregation. We take on the mantle. We take on the mantle today. We lift our hands and receive it to say, yes, we will stand in this place as an apostolic center, as apostolic people with apostolic mantles to do apostolic work to see your kingdom and your glory and your purposes and your plans come to this place in this region in our lives. Father, we open, we say open our eyes and our hearts. If we need to be converted, convert us. Lord, make us committed and bring us into true community. Lord, bring us into the commissioning of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, even this week, send somebody our way that needs to hear the gospel and let it be the first time maybe that we've shared our faith, shared the gospel and seen the power of God at work in somebody else's life. Lord, take away all fear, all timidity, all, all those things would like to stop us. Take away all traditional religious spirits from our mindsets, oh God. Lord, empower us with the Holy Ghost. Let the gifts of God begin to rise up within this body. Let the gifts of healings and miracles and the workings of miracles and the prophecies and tongues and interpretation of tongues. And Lord, let it begin to rise up within us. Let the apostle and prophet and pastor and teacher and evangelist arise in this house, oh God. Lord, we thank you that this season, today, something shifts, something changes. Bear witness with our spirit, Lord, of what you're doing and what you're saying.
Hang on just a second there because somebody should have the interpretation for that. That's one of those tongue and interpretation things that we read about in the Bible that should be very, uh, you know, uh, much a part of our existence. But, it, it, you know, it's awkward, isn't it, at times because it's supernatural stuff. But that's this, this thing wasn't called. This thing is nuclear powered, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, these, these aircraft carriers are nuclear powered these days. That, that's this isn't natural. You can't run this naturally. We got to have this tongue, interpretation, Holy Ghost. We got to have all that. So, Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, that something's happening. We thank you, Lord, for letting us be a part of it and recognizing it. We bless you. We bless these people. Lord, we thank you that you've called us all together for this time and this season. Lord, we just know and believe and see that something is strongly happening today by the Spirit of God. So, Lord, we thank you right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I, I ask for an apostolic mantle now to be released on your people, that they don't pray the same, they don't see the same. Lord, they begin to prosper in every area, spiritually, physically, financially, spiritually. From this day forward, we go to the next level as we've been commissioned by you. And Lord, we thank you for the signs and wonders that will follow. And we believe you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord one more hand of praise? Si, if you men would come and stand by. I can't be having the elders. Stretch your hand this way. Father God, we thank you for all your goodness and mercy. We thank you for your callings, your giftings on these people we're sending today that you're sending. Lord, you're sending them. We're just obeying you and sending them forth. So we send them today. We cover them with prayer. We command all doors to open before them that need to be opened. Close those that need to be closed. We declare the protection, provision, and grace of Almighty God upon their life. And that signs are going to follow them as the word is declared. People are saved, set free, and the kingdom goes forward. In Jesus' name, 
Amen. 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 All right. May I say this? Now, we're not getting to go with them. Would you, would you just stop wherever you are? What I'm saying is important this morning. Listen to me. Thank you. But we're not sending them alone. We're going to be praying over them. Every morning, 6 to 9. You don't have to come here to pray. Maddox Hall is open. But some 12, 26 and 9, we're going to be covering these people with prayer. You know what? I may not physically go there. But I believe that I can pray in the spirit and God can put me right there beside them. You right there beside them, holding them up and darkness will not prevail. This is going to be a victorious journey. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. I love you guys. Be blessed. I hope you enjoyed this message. For more content like this, please visit wordalive.tv. If you're ready for your next step, you can jump into Freedom Track anytime. Have a great week.